Welcome to the Leadership Playbook. My name is Emily Hawkins. How I used to introduce myself is, I have 15 years in supply chain, creating and leading teams, streamlining processes, managing millions of dollars. Except that's not what I do anymore. I'm a career and life coach. And I wanna take you on the journey of how to lead yourself, how to take your career to the next level, whatever that may be. I'm gonna give you tangible advice on exactly how to do what you want to do. Lead and love your life. This week, I wanna share with you about purpose. Do you feel purposeful and fulfilled in your career? And I wanna introduce you to a friend of mine and somebody that has inspired me because that's what she did. She figured out what she did and did not want and actually created something so that she could live the life of her dreams. And what I really want to talk to you about today, I want you to hear her and I want you to stay to the end because she says some amazing nuggets right at the end. But I also want to challenge you to find your purpose and your passion. And that is why this week I am giving you a free download of how to find that purpose. It's your purpose finder. And in that, I give you instructions of exactly how to figure out what that purpose is and bringing it to life, which I think is really important. But without further ado, I want to introduce you to my friend, Nicole, and I want you to hear her story and understand that anything is possible when you put your head and mind to it. All right, we are recording. So Nicole, I want you to tell our listeners who you are. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a mother and a wife and a friend, um, but I'm also a business owner and I have two companies. Um, one is I have, a, I run and own a law firm and then I also have a consulting and training business. And so I'm super busy like all moms are. Um, and every day has lots of things going on. And so what else, what else would you want to know about me? Well, what makes your business unique to me is that you're a lawyer, you know, you, you went to law school, which not many people do. And then your business to me is so different than anything I've ever heard of when it comes to law except for, you know, something like LegalZoom, because that's not what you're doing either. So tell me a little bit more about the business you run. Well, I do run two separate companies. So the law firm is one, right? And then I have another company, and that's a whole different thing. So my law practice is strictly focused on elder law, which is basically a type of, um, it's more, I guess, it's like more complex type of estate planning that's geared toward um, really what I always tell people is estate planning is only about what happens when we die. Elder law is what happens when you live and need care, which is really what's happening in our country. Um, there is a vast amount of people that live for a long time and need care. So, um, and planning for that, being prepared for that, both financially and legally are essential. So that's my law practice. On the other hand, I also have this other company where I do consulting and training for companies and business owners um, related to effective and efficient running of a business. 
So those are two separate, completely separate companies. And I think that's what I'm so fascinated with because every lawyer I've ever met is all about billable hours and they work like crazy, right? And Mm -hmm. I agree with what you're doing. My parents actually have an elder care attorney. I think it's an, uh, well, the estate planning, elder care, the whole nine yards. And I feel that that is such a need right now, but it's rare to hear a lawyer, especially in what you're doing, also having a separate business. How on earth do you do that? Well, that um, really was born out of several different things um, that happened in the course of my, you know, my trajectory as an adult. So I really, um, when I went to law school, I actually didn't go to law school until a little bit later in life. I was, um, you know, I don't even know how old I was, but I was out of my 20s. Let's just put it that way. And I had, so I had already had a whole other life and career even before I became an attorney. And um, so when I did that, it was, you know, I, here I was, I was an attorney, but one of the things that happens, and this happens to a lot of people, you know, you go and get an education, but you don't know anything. Um, and that's certainly true for lawyers. Like you get an education, but you don't know anything. You don't know how to, how to be a lawyer. You don't know how to run a business. And to be honest with you, even though I did start off my legal career as a prosecutor, so I worked for somebody else, um, I, when I, I went out on my own fairly quickly and, you know, running a business. So this was sort of where the rubber hits the road because it doesn't matter whether it's a law firm. It doesn't matter whether it is, and I have owned and started multiple businesses over my life. So um, just like, this isn't the first time I had started a business, but you know, I've had a, I had a very high end multiple, you know, several six figure skincare business at one time with an actual physical store and location. I've owned a importing business where I imported, imported furniture from Bali. I mean, I've done different things, but my point is, is that whether it doesn't matter what kind of businesses, whether you are a consultant and a trainer, whether you are a lawyer, whether you have a business that's involved in selling widgets, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. There are very simple business principles that constitute effective running of a business. And one of the things that I had struggled with every single time I started a business was I am particularly great at having an idea and really um, having the energy and the motivation and the drive to see it come into being. But once it happens, I lose interest in things very quickly. Um, and I sort of have what I would call entrepreneurial ADD. And so what was happening to me was I'd start something and it would get really good, but then I'd get overwhelmed because I'm not really good with details and I don't want to deal with the details. And then everything would start to you know, it just will become very energy draining. So when I was doing that with my law practice, I realized I had to put my big girl pants on and not allow the things that I had happened in my other businesses to happen. I couldn't let that happen because I wanted to have children and I was a mom and I had to, you know, I wanted to be a mom and things like that. So I really had to have a real business. So I decided to start putting some different things into play so that I could free myself up and really create what I consider to be a self-managing or a self-running business. And so 
I did all those things. Um, and it took a long time and it was very difficult and very stressful, but I figured out how to do it. And now I only work five days a month in my law firm. And then because I did that, that's how I started my consulting and training business, because obviously I'm not the only person that wants to live their life that way. Okay. So that, that to me is fascinating. This is why I wanted to talk to you because you took your weaknesses, you, you realized what they were, and then you said to yourself, how can I mitigate these? And then you created a business that's pretty much self-sustaining. I mean, a law firm that you only have to be a part of five days a month is pretty awesome to me. And then- oh, It's amazing. I mean, most people that run law firms would tell you it's impossible, but it can be done. And I, I love that because- Uh, I'm sure you're aware of the six human needs. The highest human need is contribution. And what I mean by that is giving back to others. And that is what you're doing with your other business is you're teaching other businesses how they too can have the same lifestyle and how they too really don't need to be working hard. They need to be working smart. Right. Yes. And that's fascinating. So what does that look like? What does that course look like or that program look like? So basically, we really start, I'm, I'm very much about starting with the individual. Um, and when I say the individual, I'm talking about either the business owner or, you know, I, you know, this type of work I have done in corporate settings as well. I mean, I go in, I've gone into hospitals and healthcare um, um, agencies and things like that and insurance companies. I mean, so it's not like this can't be applied to the corporate because some of the, some of this is really about the idea of working smart is essential in an entrepreneurial setting. But if you work in the corporate setting, it's just as important, right? It's part of being a great leader. So the first thing is understanding and really getting clarity on what your unique value and unique contribution really is and should be. You know, one of the things I say to people all the time is just because you can do something doesn't mean you should be doing it. And um, the problem that I see with people that are highly successful, um, that are competent, very competent, um, is that they often take on all kinds of things that they really shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do it because they really are, a lot of times, the most reliable or competent person in the room. But the fact is, is that we have to, be, first. Of, so it's about, first of all, having clarity about what are those things. What are those things that we should be saying yes to? And what are those things that we should be saying no to? Then a lot of times the next step is figuring out, okay, how do we say more yeses to the things that we should be doing and more no's to the things we shouldn't. Because depending on where you are in your career and or your journey, um, some people are doing almost everything that they're doing is stuff that they shouldn't be doing. So to get to that place where you should be doing, you're doing the things that you should be doing. For some people, that trajectory is longer than others just because you're starting, you know, from a very... um, you know, you're starting off on the wrong foot to begin with. So it's okay. This can be done. It's so that's the thing. So how do we, how do we change that dynamic? Then 
and, and part of that changing dynamic is, is who are our resources? Who are the human beings that surround us that we can start either delegating or um, moving things off to? Do we need to hire for that? Do we need to bring in a current team member um, and have them take on more responsibility? Do we need to have our spouse step up to the plate, right? Like who are our resources or do we need to get resources? And then from there, um, then we start saying, okay, really making sure that we're absolutely clear on the boundaries and how to set rules for conversations and boundaries so that you can remain in the place of the type of work and your greatest contribution and not be sucked into the vortex of other people's needs, right? Because um, that's, that's a big problem for, our, for a lot of people. And so those, that's sort of like the, the trajectory of the beginning stages of really getting that done. Then, you know, there are, and the more, I would say, advanced things are actually building a team, um, understanding, you know, your numbers and how to scale and those kinds of things. But until you get the basics done that are around you as an individual, those other more advanced things will never come to play or not without a lot of pain and um, really inefficiency that doesn't need to be there. Got it. So that sounds labor intensive. How are you doing that? Uh, And also running the law practice, which I know you're only doing five days a week. And then what we haven't even touched on is that you are homeschooling your son as well. So tell me, how are you doing all of these things? Well, I, so, you know, I, I, I live, I live, I practice what I preach. Right. And so in my law firm, you know, for example, the reason why I'm only working there five days a month is because I literally only do the things that I am the only person in my company that can do it. And the thing about it is what, what many of us fail to realize is that 99 times out of 100, other people really can do some of the things that we think that only we can do. Um, and that's part of the reason also why you need somebody, you know, um, in my experience, a lot of my clients really need somebody sort of standing alongside of them Um, this coach or consultant role that I would play with them to help them see the clarity of whether or not they should be doing it. Because we hold on to a lot of things a lot of times for many reasons, many of which are not valid. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, so that's what, that's what it is. So how, how do you figure out what those things are? And it's really, really hard. I'm not going to lie. That is a lot of work for people. Um, all I can say is for me, a lot of times I have done so much of this. I've been doing it for so long now that I have a lot of clarity with my clients more than they can. I can see their situation sometimes with more clarity than they can. So I can help them get to the heart of the matter much more quickly than they can get on their own. So, but I, I practice that in my own life. So yeah, so with my law firm, I'm only going in and doing those things. Literally everything else is done by one of my team members. Um, And that's great because to be honest with you, that means I hardly have any work to do because the absolute necessity of my contribution is, it's absolutely essential. Like they could not do anything without me in that company at this point, but they don't need me there every minute of every day because I, there's very few things that only I can do. 
right? And so, okay, so the rest of the time, I'm out of there. And then same thing with my consulting and training business. I'm really only involved and I only do the things that only I can do. Everything else is delegated or hired out to somebody else. And then, you know, my home, and then that frees me up to be able to be a mom and to homeschool my son and, you know, to cart him around to all of his extracurricular activities and everything else that we do. So it's really about having that level of clarity about yourself and about your business or your work or your job so that you can make that time and space. And once you do, it's really freeing. Clearly. Uh, right. And so I believe something, and I don't know if you believe this or not. I would love your opinion on this. I don't believe in work-life balance. I actually believe it's management, meaning to me, balance means you're trying to homeschool your son while you're on the phone with a client. And if you operate like I do, then you, that doesn't happen. You are a hundred percent all in with your son when you're with him and doing homeschooling activities And then when you're at the law firm, you're 100% present there. So you're making that time meaningful rather than trying to do things all at one time. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. Because I will say that the last thing that you will ever catch me being is half-assed in terms of my work and the things that matter to me. So it's about picking and choosing and having, you know, the, the clear, it's, it's, I, uh, this is the thing that I always say, in fact, with my clients and um, people, you know, a lack of clarity is the enemy of success. So the first step in every endeavor is having clarity. And when it comes to working less and making more, to working less and making more time, more money, more freedom, to um, moving your business forward, to moving your career forward, to moving your company, your team forward. The biggest problem that most people fail to identify is the problem. Right. They get around it. I I call it in my business uh, a Band-Aid. They're looking for a Band-Aid, but they have a bullet wound. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I always say putting a bandaid on a gaping hole, a gaping wound. Yeah. Similar kind of thing. And so what is that? But what is that problem? What is that thing? What is that, that, that simplistic idea? Um, and identifying the problem is the first key. Identifying your, your unique capability that is the, the thing that makes you uniquely valuable to your business or to your team is, is, a, is a thing. And that's the problem is those things are not tend to be, do not tend to be easy for people. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that one of the reasons it's, it is a little bit easier for me is because as a, an attorney, I am sort of, and I do have a very much of a natural knack for interrogating and uncovering things. Um, and I'm trained to do that. Right. Right. And so to ask the questions until, and to not, um, and also to require clarity and specificity from other people. So that also, and I hold myself to that too. So, um, you know, if you can recognize when something is mushy, when it doesn't have any tangibleness to it in terms of answers, then you know that you aren't getting to the real problem or to the real solution. You have to have clarity about what it is. 
it's the thing. Right. And then once you do that, then it then it doesn't matter what the thing is. It doesn't matter how hard it is. But now you can create a plan to conquer it. But until you have the thing, you can't create a plan to conquer it. So what does your typical client look like? Like, what are they facing? What are they, are, are they typically law firms? No, actually. So when I'm dealing with individuals, uh, my typical client is always going to be somebody that is extremely intelligent, capable, um, and outwardly successful, meaning successful in the eyes of others, right? But they are themselves very dissatisfied and feel very frustrated by where they're at. And they know they want to move up to a next level. So this is somebody that's had a great deal of success already, but they have just need to, to meet this next level success. Um, and the... And so they're bringing me in to help them figure out what does that look like because they bang their head against the wall. And so we're co-creating a solution, right? That's what, um, for them, whether it's here's what we need to get clarity for you, who's that, who's those team members, who's going to take this work off your butt, um, who's going to help you free up some of your time and mental energy, um, exactly who does that person need to be, those kinds of things. So it's somebody that needs just sort of a, another brain and in somebody that they consider to either be a equal or somebody just, you know, that I am, there's, I'm somebody that they would consider to be their equal or just to have at least, or have much more experience than them. But we are co-creating a solution because these, I don't, my clients don't tend to be people that really want me to solve their problem for them. They do want me to do a lot of the work for them, but they don't want, they really want it to be their answer, right? They're not trying to just hire a, you know, another team member. I'm somebody that's really there to co-create with them about what their situation is going to look like. So this is somebody, you know, like I said, it, for if it's an entrepreneur, it's somebody that's definitely above six figures. Um, and if it's, you know, somebody in a different sphere, they're trying to move, like a lot of times, I'll have somebody that's coming out of a corporate into the business world and they want into their entrepreneurial journey and they want to jumpstart that journey. And they want somebody that they trust that's going to be able to help them navigate out of that world into this new world. So that's an example. And then corporations I deal with, usually I'm brought in by the CEO or the VP or somebody like that, that they're like, they're tired of the dysfunction on their team. And they want me to come in and help their team understand their own respective um, needs and where each and have a little more appreciation and respect for each other's value so that they can figure out a better solution to work more functionally as a team. Got it. Got it. So what has been the hardest lesson that you've learned doing all of this? <laughs> oh, gosh, there's been so many. Um, well, you know, it, the, the thing about setting in and maintaining boundaries in the beginning was extremely difficult for me. Um, boundaries was just a very big challenge for me in the beginning. Now, I would say now I'm like the queen of boundaries, but it was a very hard struggle for me to get there because I don't know, you know, sometimes I blame it on, um, you know, your, our training as women, we're sort of trained to please other people 
and to find value in other people valuing us, right? And so you you are happy when people value you to the extent that when somebody then asks you to do something, you want to say yes because you you know you, because that implies an appreciation of you. But really, um, or because you know there's this idea that the customer is always right, right? We have that phrase out there that's like a big part of the business world the customer is always right you got to do everything for the customer actually I don't believe that I think that the customer is not always right and that you have to lead your customer to the place that they need to go and if the customer wants to violate your boundaries then that is not a good customer for you so it's about saying no I just had a really hard time with that at the beginning so I would say getting the clarity around what my boundaries were why I had to have them and then being very particular about keeping them was my number one challenge. And even though I'm really good with boundaries today, I would say that every once in a while, I will slip on my boundaries. I will do something. And it's so funny because every time I do it, my team will tell me in advance, why are you doing this? And then I'll say, oh, and I'll come up with some excuse about why I'm letting it happen. And then afterward, I'm always like, oh, you guys were right. Why did I do that? And they laugh at me every single time. It doesn't happen hardly ever, but it still does happen because I slip back into my old habits, right? Oh, man, you and I parallel lives here. When I started my business, I would take any client. I would meet with them at any time of day. I had no boundaries and quickly worked myself into a hole of no energy and feeling awful, right? And mm-hmm. so I realized, okay, I need to start re- respecting myself, you know, and my own time and my energy levels. Because if I'm running myself this ragged, I'm probably not going to be around very long. <laughs> I just think I'm trying to kill myself. And um, when I started putting those boundaries in place and got a, a, like a tiny bit of pushback, not even a lot, I questioned myself saying, was this a good idea? And what I noticed was I started attracting better people. And I don't mean that anyone's better than anyone else. I just mean there are some people that are more respectful of time and more respectful of goods and services than others. And when I put boundaries on myself, I attracted those respectful people. And I felt... I had more energy and I actually had more success stories. Did you find that as well? Oh yeah. I mean, it's literally the whole concept of boundaries is directly related to your own personal energy. That's the reason you need them. Mm -hmm. And so um, if you don't have the energy to do the job at hand and do it excellently, then you will not do it excellently and you will burn out really quickly. And so there's no point in that. That's just a self-defeating prophecy. You just, you know, so that cycle of doing that is something that I think is pervasive in America, but really, you know, it's so funny because honest truth about it is there's no um, valor in it. There's no, I don't find it admirable. When somebody tells me that they're burning themselves to a crisp, I'm not, I don't admire them for being such a hard worker. I sort of, at this point, I'm like, what is wrong with you? Get your head out of your butt and figure out how to change your own dynamic because it's never necessary to do that to yourself. Never. 
I completely agree with you. I constantly find myself saying no, and it's because it serves me, right? It's, it's not being mean. And I think there was a part of me a million years ago that thought saying no was mean, but actually I think no is so respectful of the other person that you're saying no to, because back to what you were saying before, when you commit to something and you really don't have the time and energy for it, you are letting the other person down. So it's much better to say no right up front than let somebody down later on. And I I couldn't agree with you more. I don't think there's any valor in, to your point, half-assing something because that's what happens when I get tired too. And I, that's the last thing I want to do when I'm, I'm helping somebody's business, helping somebody's career. I'm working with somebody and they've invested with me. The last thing I want to do is do it when I'm truly exhausted. So I think that's- right, and so that's true, like about you know your people, like the people that you work with, the people that I work with, that just recognizing that if you you need to treat yourself like you would treat a million dollar racehorse, you mm-hmm. wouldn't treat it like a workhorse, you wouldn't take it out and you know make it work for fourteen hours. You wouldn't take a million dollar racehorse out um, and make it work in the pasture, um, pulling, pulling the cart for 14 hours a day and, you know, not stopping for breaks and, and, you know, not feeding it well enough and, and letting it run itself ragged. Why would you treat your million dollar racehorse like that? Of course you wouldn't. You would take it, you'd give it the best food, the right kind of rest. Ex, um, you would make sure it had exercise, that it was mentally engaged so that it could perform at its peak level. If you owned a million-dollar racehorse, you would never treat it the way you would treat a workhorse. So if you look at yourself, as you should, as a million-dollar racehorse, why would you treat yourself like a workhorse? And that, yet yeah, that's what people do. And so, you know, you need people need to think of themselves in this way you are a million dollar racehorse you get the right food the right sleep the right um you know recreation the right everything to operate at your peak level like it's it just makes sense um and that's how we need to treat ourselves that's how we need to treat our team members and that's how we need to treat you know the people in our lives that's the way life should be for everybody I couldn't agree with you more. I could not. I preach into the choir on that one. It, I think the worst thing you can do is burn yourself out because that's exactly what you do is you burn yourself out. So before you started any of this, because you said you went to college late, you, you kind of did a lot of things, quote unquote. Well, law school. I went to law school late. I didn't go to college late. Um, yeah. Well, still, that's you know a huge undertaking in and of itself. What was your biggest fear going into business? And it can be your law practice, it can be the second business, whatever that might be, or even homeschooling your son. Hmm. Well, so here's the thing. Um, Some people are naturally hardwired to be bigger risk takers than others. You know, there are people in this world that, have a higher tolerance for risk and, um, you know, other people that need a lot of stability and need to remove all as much as possible humanly, the variables that are unknown. 
I am on the higher risk taker side, naturally. That is my hardwiring. Um, so, you know, starting a business, of course, I, like anybody else, you know, what if I fail? But I think one of the good things that's happened to me, because I'd done other businesses, I had started other businesses with success, and some with failure, is that if you fail, the world's not going to come to an end. Like, I mean, that's one of the things that the most, one of the most beautiful things that's happened is, yes, of course, I start almost everything I do with what if I fail, but to, the older I get and the more I do it, the more I realize that this what if I fail thing is, it's sort of irrelevant because who cares if you fail? Like my friends will still be my friends. My son is still going to love me. My husband, we aren't going to lose our house. And um, if, because I would do, I would not allow that to happen. Even if I had to go work at a fast food restaurant to keep my house, I'm not too proud to do those things, no matter what my education level or accomplishment, like I'll do what I need to do to succeed. And so, um, you know, this idea of failure is of course the thing that's always the fear, but you just also have to just recognize that fear is what drives you. And it's also what sustains you when you need the energy to keep going. Got it. You know, it's so true. It's so true. I would say some of my fears were, you know, being a flash in the pan. I don't know why. Uh, for me, George Costanza sticks out. I know this is going to sound really strange, but just <laughs> for a minute. So there was this episode a million years ago on Seinfeld where George Costanza sits in a meeting and he says something and they're all like, oh my gosh, that's such a great idea. And then whatever he says after that, they're like, oh my gosh, you're a moron. I can't believe you would say that. And so he found that if he walked into a meeting, said one thing, and it was a great thing, that he had to leave the meeting because he was going to say something that would just ruin it. And because he would come into these meetings with these like one hit wonders uh, and then leave, they promoted him. It was very funny. And so in my head, I was like, I'm a George Costanza. I have one good idea. And I'm going to be found out that I only have one good idea, which by the way, was not true at all. I have a million ideas and every client I've worked with, we have different solutions and, and different things. But that was a fear factor for me that I was this one trick pony that could only do this one thing. And that held me personally back longer than it should have just because I didn't think I was smart enough, good enough, whatever. I just had this one thing. And if it didn't fit you, then, oh my gosh, what was I going to do? Which isn't true. But I, I find that a lot with my clients too, that there's always some fear and it's different for everybody, but there's some fear that holds them back. And once they recognize it and have a solution, just like you said, you have that solution, you know, that's not really a, a valid point, then you can move on and then you can break through it. Well, okay. So along that line, I would say that, um, you know, one of the things that I get hung up on every once in a while, so maybe it's not a fear, it's more of a hang up that I have, but it's just as um, powerful in some ways, is that I, you know, and you know this, there's a, a lot of, and some of the work that I do on my consulting and training side, especially um, people that do this type of work are a dime a dozen. Um, and I don't, it's really difficult for me 
to be in a situation where I could be confused with somebody that would be like that. Um, because so that, that it's a really like hang up. Like I can't, I always, um, I feel very hesitant or even um, repellent of getting in any situation where I might be confused in that way. Like that my work is interchangeable with somebody else's. Um, so it's, that's all about marketing and really setting expectations with people. But certainly um, I, I very much dislike being in any situation like that, possibly to my own detriment sometimes. No, I understand what you're saying. I mean, I'm a career and life coach. And a lot of people say, oh, that's made up. That's not real. And yeah, maybe it is for somebody that you've heard about. It is important to differentiate yourself. And so I typically lead with why I do it rather than what I do, because what I do confuses people or they either don't know enough about it or they've known somebody that's a fly by night that doesn't really do it well. <laughs> and right. so I typically say, you know, I empower the unemployed the unrecognized and the unfulfilled. That is what I do on a daily basis. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, that's fascinating. So it's, it's so much more about why than really what I do. Because to your point, you know, you can make up anything you want. I mean, I, my dad is a dentist. I was raised by a dentist. And my entire life I heard, you know, horror stories from everyone else about what a dentist was oh my gosh, I can't believe your dad charges pe- overcharges people for procedures they don't do. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And because they had gone to a dentist who did that, right? My dad yeah. never did that. Sure. Or, oh my gosh, going to the dentist is awful. I-, I used to fall asleep in the dental chair. It was always gentle and nice because I took good care of my teeth. So, you know, it's, it's whatever you're used to, I guess, you know, and, and to your point, you don't want to be put in that category of the fly-by-nights that are in every industry, right? Uh, and so I, I completely understand that. So what is next for you? Um, well, we just bought a house in Hawaii. And so we are, I live in Michigan currently, um, but we are going to be living three-quarter time in Hawaii and one-quarter time in Michigan. So I'm taking my business journey a step further because I will be um, also opening up a firm in Hawaii and I will be doing um, more, even more consulting and training out there as well. So I, and then I'm going to be doing it in both Michigan and Hawaii as my two base places. Um, And so that's my next step. It's going to be a big one. We're going to be doing that very shortly here. It's coming straight up within the next month and a half. Don't you find that once you get past some of these limiting beliefs and fears that it's almost like you seek out just more things that you just never thought were possible? Because I'm sure there's somebody listening to this podcast right now that is blown away by what you just said. They're like, there's no way I could do that. And by the way, with that mindset, there is no way you could do that. You know, you've got to think bigger, but you've already figured out this business model. You you know, for all of your businesses, you're practicing what you preach and you're living the life that makes sense to you. And I think if, if nothing else, what I want people to hear from this is whatever your dream is, it is possible. And sometimes there isn't a book out there. There isn't a guide. You have to listen to yourself. You have to look inside and say, what makes sense to me? 
And that's what I loved. I mean, from the minute we started talking, uh, Nicole uses the same platform as that I do for all my payments and my courses and all of this. And we started talking last year and she really helped me up my game in terms of how to market myself better and all these things that quite frankly, I've been uncomfortable with because growing up, uh, you know, marketing yourself was, was something that my parents really did not believe in. They were like, when you are good at what you do, people come to you. Well, guys in 2019, that's not true. Uh, people in, you know, Michigan don't know who I am because they need marketing. Like marketing is the backbone of what we do, but there's a good way of doing it. There's a smart way of doing it. And that's what Nicole helped me do, uh, to change the course of my business, which was amazing. And so she really is what she says she is in terms of, you know, blowing the doors off of productivity and understanding exactly what your strengths are and getting really comfortable with the uncomfortable in terms of those hard conversations sometimes you have to have with people and then living your life. I mean, I hope that in a few years I can say something as amazing as what you just said. I'm living three quarters of the time in Hawaii. That's not a dream of mine, but I'm just saying that's a pretty phenomenal thing to say. And the way you said it, just very like matter of factly, like this is what we're doing is amazing. And I think you are truly such an accomplished and amazing woman. And where can people find more out about you? Um, well, I'm all over any social media platform. You can go to my website, NicoleWhip.com. Um, those are probably the best ways. But I do want to say one thing just about what you just said, because I think, and I've heard this before, and I want to, I want to take one step back, and I want anybody that's listening to take one step back here, because I am over a decade into my journey of doing this. This was not something that happened last year. Like, this is the culmination. Everything that I've talked about where I'm at five days a month of my law firm, you know, having this other company, buying our house in Hawaii, starting this other company there, blah, blah, blah. All of that is a lot. And I think that if I was listening to this, you know, 12, 15 years ago, I would be overwhelmed by it. And I would have felt that it was pretty much impossible for me as well. And so I'm just like you, the thing is, is that you have to start, you have to put one foot in front of the other, you have to have those things that you want to make happen. And then you just have to work toward them one thing at a time. And just know, and it's yeah, it does not come immediately. It is not an overnight thing. This overnight success stuff that, um, and I would say crap, that um, a lot of online type guru people are selling is exactly that. It's crap. You know, real success and me and moving in this direction, it can come faster. There are ways to do shortcuts, but at the end of the day, it's just, you got to just put in the work and put one foot in front of the other, and then it gets better and better and better all the time. That's the way it happens. And so I'm just saying like, please don't, because yes, it is a matter of fact for me at this point in my journey, but please don't think that there wasn't a ton of work that happened up to this time, because there was. It, was. it was not something that's happened overnight. This is over 10 years of me doing these things to make this possible. So I'm just saying this because I've had you know, many a time where I've been in a conference or something and somebody says, this feels like you're telling me a fairy tale. 
Yeah. I, okay. That makes sense. And I, I get it. Um, and, and maybe it doesn't feel possible to you right now. Maybe it doesn't, you can't even imagine the possibility of it, but now you know somebody that did it. And I think to me, sort of that was what one of my first steps was just hearing that somebody else had done it. Right. And then I was like, okay, well, somebody else did it, then it's possible. So now the possibility is in my brain. And now my brain can be geared toward thinking in that way. And that really is the greatest first step you can take. But just not thinking, yeah, this is going to happen in one year. You know, it's not. It's, it's love, something. It's going, it takes a, yeah, it takes a while. And, but it's okay because that's part of the journey. But, it, but the point is, is just because it doesn't happen by next year doesn't mean that you can't make massive and amazing changes to your life in the space of a year. I mean, my clients, I have a client right now. I mean, she, she negotiated a $50,000 raise, got it through, you know, I helped her do that. Then she decided she hated her job and she wanted to quit. So then she got another job making the same amount of money and started a business simultaneously. And she's already um, doing consulting with multiple companies um, as a side gig, making money on top of her salary that she's making at this other company that was more than she was making at the company that she hated. I mean, this is all in this last six months she's been able to accomplish that. So mm. these are things that you can you can have shortcuts and you can do it, but just be aware that, yeah, it doesn't happen overnight, right? That's the key. And just don't get frustrated with yourself if you feel like you can't make it happen overnight because, of course, you can't. <laughs> that's ridiculous right and before right, so before I good. started before I started my own business I did a lot of research on some great businesses out there and what you just said is what I have read and researched over and over again eight to ten years I have read that so many times eight years in I became an overnight success 10 years in I became an overnight success and I love that it's so true and I completely agree with you that you cannot compare somebody else's middle to your beginning. And something that Tony Robbins says is we underestimate what we can do in a decade and we overestimate what we can do in a year. And if you look at a year and you look at a day, even all the things you can accomplish, it's not a million things. You're not going to solve world hunger in a day. But if you give yourself 365 shots at it, you're going to get a lot closer. So I, I just love that you that you put that in there because it is important for people to know it wasn't yesterday that you created this. Yeah, right. And so that's the key. And, and even if you think it seems impossible, the other thing, like and you said something along this line, I just want to reiterate it, is if you're sitting there saying, well, I could never do that because blah, 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 whatever your reason is that you think that you could never do that, well, then you're right. You can't do it. But guess what? You can. You just need to decide you're going to and then figure out how. Exactly. And it's, it's literally that simple and it's yeah. literally that hard at the same time. Yes, exactly. I couldn't agree more. I, that's what my business has been built on as well. And thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and making this happen. It has been so fun talking with you. I'm going to put Nicole's information in the show notes so you can get a chance to go check her out, follow her on social media, 
and see her beautiful boy, her baby boy. I say he's a baby because he's her son and my children are my baby. <laughs> they're not babies anymore. Um, but uh, I hope that you have a wonderful day. And I hope that Nicole's words really touched you as much as they touched me. Did you love what you heard today? And you want more? Sign up for my weekly email in the show notes. It's packed with tips and tricks to lead and love your life. You can also follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram by typing in Emily Hawkins, the number four, the letter U. I'll see you here next week.